0: Thank <music> you. walk through such amazing, amazing things. Last week, uh, we actually talked about the life of King David and how he had expectations on him from his family and from his king and they were from the outside and they were weighing on him and how he needed to focus his life on God. He needed to focus his, his heart towards his true king. And the series has all been built off of preparing us to engage in meaningful relationships. For disciples of Christ who are resilient, cultivate meaningful, meaningful relationships with other followers of Jesus that they desire to be around and become like themselves. And this has been our challenge. This has been a, a difficult series because of the challenges that have been issued. That we are preparing our hearts to be people who are worth being in relationship with. And this week we're going to dig... One step deeper. So we've defined spiritual maturity in church, largely, Big C Church, by disconnecting it from emotional maturity. And today we're going to talk about a topic that, again, just as with every single week that we walked into this, aren't normally spoken about from the pulpit, at least in my time in church, which, as you can tell by this gray hair, just keeps getting more and more and more, Um, in my time in church, a lot of the things that we've dealt with in this series uh, are generally confined or prepared uh, for small group type uh, atmospheres where we can elect whether or not to participate. And I just love the fact that we as Life Center are saying, no, this is important for all of us. To take a look at our emotional, spiritual maturity and say, God, where are we and where do you want to lead us? And I think it's so important that we just emphasize that point. God, where are we and where do you want to lead us? Because no matter where we are today, this is not all that God has in store. Amen? There's more. There's more. We are all on the journey towards representing Jesus more in our workplaces, towards representing Jesus more in our homes, in our own lives, at the bus stop, at the hockey rink, wherever it is that God takes you. We are all on a journey towards representing God more. None of us have arrived. No, not one. You can elbow your friend there if they, you know, they need to hear that today. Just Let them know. Let them know. None of us have arrived. We are all on the journey. And so like I said, last week we looked at King David. We looked at the outward battles. And this week we're going to take a look inward. We're going to take a look inward by looking at one of the most meaningful relationships of all. Our relationship between us and Jesus. I was talking to Pastor Jason about uh, this particular message and uh, he knows a lot about running and runners, which I do not. Do we have any runners in the room? People that love to run? Like long distance runners? Oh my goodness. God bless you. God bless you. Where are my people that look at a track ring and say, no, that's not, because that's me. Yeah, wow, a lot more of us in the room today. Okay, all right, I like the boldness. Yeah, no, I do not run. So very similar to me, I, when I was growing up, even to this day, I'm more of a sprinter right? Like quick bursts. Like you put a line in the sand somewhere and I will race you to that line. Even if you're way faster than me, just the, like I will race you. We will go. But if you tell me that I have to follow a point on a map because I can't physically see the finish line, I'm done. I'm done. I remember going to track and field meets and watching as people would compete in like the the 35,000 or whatever it was. You know those races where like they start at the starting line and then they run all the way around the track and keep going? Wow. That's a special kind of person right there. Right, like you're 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 here today to run in circles. That's what you're telling me, and it was incredible. And I remember watching them just run and run, and I I couldn't do that. I was more of a sprinter. I'll give it all, and then I'm done. But what I understand is is that even in running, there are, there's a process in the run where you you have this amazing high as as you hit this 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 just amazing moment in your run, but then also you have to be ready to overcome the wall, and the wall always comes for long-distance runners. That point in the race where even though you're doing the exact same thing that you were doing just a moment before, it gets so difficult. And in following Jesus, it can be very similar. If you're in church long enough, you'll hear it described in these terms that there are mountaintops and valleys now, those are very, very Christian terms. You won't really hear that a lot of place else unless it's poetically put in a song somewhere because it is beautiful. But the, the description there is really saying, listen, there are good times and there are low times. There are good times and there are low times. And it doesn't matter where you are at in your journey with God, how long you've been journeying with God. Those are two guarantees. There are testing times when it comes to following Jesus. Times where you arrive at this deeply divine moment of a wall. The moment where the desires of your heart and the definition of who God truly is in your life collide. Last week we talked about David's crucible. How he was looking at the giant, but it wasn't just the giant in front of him that he was facing, but also the expectations that his family had on him. And again, in our walk with God, there will be a crucible, that moment where there's a full-on impact between our will and what we want to see done and where God has us. This place has been called by some a defining transition, a wall, or even the dark night of the soul. There isn't a single Christian follower who will not find themselves there at one point or another. I think it's important, too, that we remember and dig into the fact that sometimes in these wall moments, there's a word that isn't often used in church, but that we need to talk about today, and that's grief and that's grief. See, a lot of times in church, we love to celebrate the mountaintops. We love to celebrate the good moments, and those are important. It is important for us to share with others and to share with each other in this room when God shows up. Those 35, those 37 spontaneous baptisms, wow. <laughs> Like, that is a moment to celebrate, and we're just going to keep talking about it, like, every chance we can. Because I don't want to get to the point in our lives, either, as Canada Life Center, where God does something really, really amazing, and we act like, oh, that was just some time. Like, no, we need to continue to testify. But there's also times where we need to celebrate the struggle. Oh, Pastor Mitch, celebrate the struggle, what does that mean? Why would we celebrate the struggle? Because, brothers and sisters, this is real life. This is real life. And the Christian walk is a real walk. Amen? The Christian walk is a real walk. This is not a fairy tale. The scriptures that we read today, they come from the past. They are written down in, in verified history books. Like These aren't just fables that have been made up. But what happens is if that we are not honest about our times of struggle. If we are not honest about those times in our lives where we hit walls. It's easy for people outside of Christian faith. To come to the misunderstanding that the Bible is just full of fable and make-believe. But we're not perfect. And our lives are not perfect. And the more time that we'll spend together, the more you'll understand I am not perfect. My wife was here today, there would have been an amen. But that's okay. Because here is the amazing secret. God didn't call you to be perfect. And God didn't promise you that there would be no struggle. He didn't promise you that if you gave your life to Jesus and came to church on Sunday that you would have no grief. In fact, it's the opposite. God told us, Jesus told us that in this life there will be struggle. Why? Because we're still in this world. Although because of Christ we are no longer of this world, we are still residents here. Grief is real. And I think that there is a a freedom that can be expressed here in this room if we embrace the fact that not everybody present today is not struggling. In fact, I believe that if we were honest and really dug into the relationships and the the faces and hearts and souls sitting in the seats behind, beside, and in front of us, what we we would probably discover is that this is a room full of strugglers. And that's okay. In fact, there's a freedom in that. And so we want to dig into that this morning. We want to dig into that and understand that in times where we are struggling, in times where those walls come, or, or as we already said, those moments of, of dark, the, the moments that are, are like dark nights of the soul, it's important for us to understand that these are just normal life rhythms of being human, fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of the creator, and yet still awaiting our true redemption. When we see him face to face, a lot of times what happens is that as struggle enters into our story, as darkness enters in, as a storm blows its way into our life, the immediate response from many Christians that have been walking with God even for a long time is, oh, I must have done something wrong. I've seen this in my own life just the other day. going to get honest here. I was at a, a hockey life in Kanata. You know, three players of hockey, like that's, I'm just spending a lot of time there. Getting to know Jim and Steve by their first names, it's a great time. My wife was with me as, uh, as we were getting these skates sharpened. And on the way out of hockey life, I had the misunderstanding that the door that opens on its own was going wa- to open at a regular interval. And so I walked in the full passion of just leading my wife back to the car, and I ran smack dab into the door. My wife laughed, as you would. And I'd be lying today if I didn't tell you that in that moment, I had a knee-jerk reaction coming from where it was that I was raised, where I immediately went, did I deserve that? And maybe that's happened to you before when you stub your toe or slip down the stairs or, you know, the wall all of a sudden in the kitchen moved. It's always been there, but for some reason you ran into it. And you had that discussion with your spouse or with your kid just a moment before, and you're like, okay, God, I know I didn't do that well. I think it's important for us to understand that even in the lives of Christians, bad things happen, they just do. God does not artificially create all these moments for us. He doesn't, uh, a lot of times people will say, Well, God is intentionally bringing me through this. And, and I, as I read more through the Bible, as I read more and, and dig in with my relationship with God, I say, Well, who promised you that those things wouldn't happen? I don't see that in Scripture. What I see is people through Scripture walking through very difficult things and God never leaving them. We sang it today. Obviously, I have the the foreknowledge of knowing what it is that we're going to talk about, but every single song that we sang today spoke to this very thing. The God who provides, our cornerstone, never leaving, never forsaking. And the life of Abraham, this was proven to be true time and time again. This is where we're going to focus our attention in Scripture today. In Genesis chapter 22, we're going to read about the life of Abraham at a huge moment of wall, at a moment of dark night of the soul, in a moment of defining transition. We are presented with Abraham and a test. Now, Abraham is an extremely important biblical character, A father of the faith, as he is described in chapter 10 of Hebrews, which we've already read this morning. Abraham was called from his place, was called from his home. He heard a voice and was challenged to get up and move before even fully understanding who the God of creation was, who the God of Israel was. Abraham responds. His faith is tested and he responds. Along the way, as he's advanced in years, he's promised a son. He and his wife, Sarah, that they will have a son. Even though they had no offspring, even though they had no children, God says that not only will you have one, but your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. His life was defined by these moments of trust in his relationship with God. As God would say one thing or challenge in one thing in all of his circumstances would say, but how? Abraham had to learn that even in those moments of but how, but God. And Abraham was put to the test many times in his faith. At different times, we see in the story of Abraham as he would hear the promise of God, he would hear the challenge of God, and and God wouldn't work in his time frame, and Abraham would then try to take it into his own hands. Oof. As we read through the story of Abraham, it can be easy because many of us have read this story many, many times to have the foresight of what it is that's going on. But uh, I think it becomes even more real if we try to place ourselves in that moment with Abraham without knowing what's coming next because, hey, that's our life. As God steps in and says, will you trust me? Will you follow me? We don't have the foresight of where it is that he will come through. But time and time again, in the story of Abraham and countless other characters from the Bible, we see that he does. Genesis chapter 22, God has gifted Abraham and Sarah with this son. Isaac has been granted to them. And in verse 1 to 2, after God had sent Isaac to him, God then uh, approached Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and Abraham responded, here I am. God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Oh, I'm sorry, you guys are all used to the, like, what is happening in this verse? Is that not insane? Like, I know we all have our walls and struggles, but my prayer is, is that none of you have heard from God, all right, take your firstborn kid, it's time. What? is happening in this verse. Now, this is a huge testing moment from Abraham, but what we need to understand culturally is it's actually not that different as to what Abraham would have seen expressed through different gods of different tribes all around. Even though human sacrifice to us is like, what is going on at that time? It was a very common practice in the servitude of the gods that were represented. Abraham, as he's beginning to learn of of, of this God who has established his relationship with Abraham and his family, who has done the impossible as he's learning about, about this relationship with this God. God tests him. God challenges him in this way where Abraham is saying, hold on. Is this God just like everybody else? The word testing is also a a challenge for us in in our day now, uh, even in the 21st century, where we see the word testing and we say, See? See, this is exactly what God is doing in my life. That sickness that, that, I've, that I've gotten or, or, or the death of a loved one. Like, is this God just leading me through something? And uh, we need to, to understand, and we're going to get a full picture of this as we continue to journey through uh, these verses. But what it is that Abraham is going through, the establishing of who God is for the first time is not the same as what you're going through because we have been revealed to God through Jesus. It's different. See, Abraham is, is establishing with God through the test that God is, is challenging with. This is a huge identifier that the God of creation is not the same as the gods that were represented in all of the other tribes. This moment of testing is a challenge for Abraham to say, Abraham, will you follow? It's not the same as, as, as the testing that, that, that we go into. Even in class, this word testing, it, it, it produces this idea of pass or fail. And so testing can seem so difficult for us when, when we see the challenges that lie before us saying, God, I, I don't know if I'm strong enough. I, what if I fail? What if I've already messed up and this is why the circumstances hit me? The test that Abraham is going through is to establish once and for all who God truly is. The tests that we journey through are different because we know that Jesus is who he says that he is. Our testing is more of a challenge to say, can we see God even in those moments of struggle, even in those moments of grief? James chapter 1, verse 12 says this, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. First Peter 1, 6-7 says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith More precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, it may be found and result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Abraham's faith is being tested in this moment, and although it has been shown in the past to be strong, we've also seen in the moments where it has been lacking. Genesis chapter 22, verse 3 to 5. So Abraham rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey and took his two, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. Verse 5 is extremely insightful into the life and the story of Abraham. Directly translated, we will go over there and worship, and we will come back to you. Abraham has become a man who worships God. He knows that God is who he says that he is. God has proven himself to be faithful. And even in this moment, though he doesn't know how God again will prove himself to be faithful, Abraham is a man of faith. The next verse, and Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and took the wood took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took his hand and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they both went. Uh, so the, they went both. Wow. Okay, give me a second. Ha ha. So they went both of them together, and Isaac said to his father Abraham, "My father!" And he said, "Here I am, my son." He said, "Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering?" As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. In the crucible, at that moment of wall, in the dark night of the soul, Abraham learns a new name for God, established in Genesis, that still rings true today. We sang it together this morning. The Lord will provide. God is, always has been, and always will be Jehovah-Jireh the Lord our Provider. God is, and always has been, and always will be, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our Provider. God is, always has been, and always will be, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our Provider. That is who He is. Hebrews gives us additional insight into this faith of Abraham. Hebrews 11. Verses 17 and 19 says that by faith, when he was tested, Abraham offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, though Isaac, through, Isaac shall be your, the, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did not receive him back. Abraham didn't fully know what to expect in this story, right? He's establishing, he's establishing in this story the relationship between God the Father, author of the Bible, Father of Jesus, his one and only son. Abraham is establishing who God is, that it would ring true for all of eternity. In that moment, he hears and understands from God, God is the provider. He is Jehovah Jireh, God who provides. For us today, church, that rings true. Even in moments of doubt. Even in moments of struggle even in moments of grief, God is the one who provides. He is. As we begin following Jesus, we dive into discipleship and we begin serving and making Jesus-sized differences with our story, but every time at some point in our lives, the wall comes, the crucible comes, a defining moment comes. In this moment of darkness, there is always God's invitation for light. Sometimes what dies in this place of circumstance, of of tragedy, is, is our flesh or immaturity or shallow things that we've been taught or led to believe that aren't fully of God. In this place, we develop our own faith and following of Jesus, no longer to be built on the backs of others. This morning, the message is called Personal Strongholds. Why did we call it that? Because at this moment of challenge, at this moment of grief, we'll discover two things. First, how strong God has a hold of us. And second, what it is that we need to release in our lives that we're holding strongly onto. In Psalms 139, verse 9 to 12, David describes it as this. Though Abraham didn't know it, it was never God's intention to allow a single hand to be laid upon Isaac. Because who God was revealing himself to be was different completely and totally unique than even the gods that were represented around in the different tribes that David that Abraham would have seen. Yet when it came to God's own son to atone erase and cleanse us from all darkness there would be no staying the knife you church I think it's important for us to be honest to recognize that grief struggle and darkness are a real part of life And if you're here today and you find yourself in one of those seasons, can I encourage you this morning that that doesn't make you a weak Christian? Hello? Can I encourage you this morning that if you're here this morning and you find yourself in a season of grief or struggle or darkness, that does not make you a weak Christian. Your lack of faith your lack of personal devotion has not necessarily led you there. To believe that is a fallacy. That God is sitting in heaven simply waiting to send his lightning bolts and send his misery and send all those things your way that, 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 so that you can understand, well, if you just had more faith, and we all need more faith. But times of grief and times of struggle do not mean that there is a lack thereof. Because God is there. God is there. It is important for us as a church to celebrate with those who celebrate. But the Bible also tells me that it's important for us to grieve with those who grieve. So why is it that we're so silent in those moments of grief? Why is it that we try to hide those moments of darkness and struggle, those storms in our lives as though they bury and they carry some type of shame? Church, I want to let you know the God that we serve is not like everything else that's represented in this world. He is for us. He is with us. He has experienced what you are walking through. I love that this has come up in this series, that we're not afraid to talk about the cross on a Sunday just because Easter Sunday is coming. Listen, it's no great secret that in just two weeks' time, we'll celebrate our God who died for our sin. And three days later, he rose again. Abraham is actually such an interesting foresight into what it is that is about to play out in the biblical narrative. See, because of sin, there there was a price that needed to be paid. And throughout the entire Old Testament, you'll see even what Abraham was was being challenged with is there is a sacrificial system that is established in the Old Testament. And the blood of perfect livestock would be offered up to pay for the sins of all of the people, but it was only temporary. Until Jesus. And as Jesus came and walked the earth and taught and loved and healed, he also stood in for us. <laughs> Perfect man, full of love and desire to see people rise above their circumstances to see the Father reach down and touch the lives of those who He had come to love. But at 33 years of age, the Father's true plan was put into place. And Jesus knowingly and lovingly walked to the cross. And as Isaac's father Abraham was told to stop. Our Father in heaven didn't put that same restriction on himself. And his Son, his life, his blood was given for us. So that today we could live and truly be alive. In the story of Easter, there is suffering. And there is celebration. This is our story. Amen? There is suffering. And there is celebration. And so if you're here today and you're in that moment of grieving, you're in that moment where there's just a wall in that doubt where you're saying, God, why? Where are you? I want to encourage you. He is right there with you. He is right there with you. And if you're here this morning and you're breathing the air that God has gifted you with, your story is not done yet. We will celebrate together. But I also want to encourage you that here at Kanata and Life Center, we also want to grieve together. It's okay to not be okay here in this place. It's okay. This is not a room full of perfect people. This is a room full of real people who every day wake up and say, okay, God, you and me against whatever comes. And it's not always mountaintops. It's not always sunshine. Sometimes it's dark and it's difficult. But just as Jesus did, we in Gethsemane in the garden and say, God, I can't take this cup, but if it's your will, then your will be done. We rise up and say, God, I don't understand. I don't know the whys. I don't know what it is that's going on, but I know that you're with me. Why? Because even way back in the story of Abraham where he didn't know what was going on, you established yourself as Jehovah Jireh. That's who you are. Not just for Abraham, but for all of creation. He is the Lord who provides. This morning, I want to challenge you with something, and I'll close. As you came in, you were given a a piece of paper, and if you didn't have one, you can grab one from Guest and Family Services before you go. That little piece of paper is dissolvable paper. It's pretty cool. Back in youth, we used to have moments like this, uh, but we always had fire. And uh, they told me, no, there will be no fire. So I said, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, we really like to burn things in youth group. It was a lot of fun. But this morning we have for you dissolvable paper. And I want to challenge our church with something today. Today, or later on this week, Will you trust God again? Will you trust God again? What is it in your life that's been that wall, that moment of darkness, that dark moment of the soul where you say, God, I just don't know where you are. I want to challenge you to write that thing down on that piece of paper. And when you're ready, between you and the Holy Spirit, place it in water signifying that you are going to lay it down one more time before God. Maybe it's the faith of a loved one that you've been praying for for years and you just haven't seen God show up yet. Will you lay it down one more time? Maybe it's a doubt, something that you've been praying through and you've been asking God to show up, but it just doesn't seem like he's paying attention. Will you write it down, place that in water, lay it at the feet of Jesus? Maybe it's just trust itself, the circumstance that you find yourself in. You can write that word down, lay it at the feet of Jesus and say, God, I release it. I'm going to have a prayer team up here at the front at the end of service. And if you're ready this morning to lay that thing down, I want to encourage you to write it. And before you go, come and place it in either one of these water containers that are here. And our prayer team will join you in believing for whatever it is that you've laid down today. But if you're not ready, that's okay. Because we're not here to fake it. Amen? Maybe you're going to take that piece of paper and you're going to go home today. And maybe it's something that you need to walk through as a family. Maybe it's something that you need to pray through, but I want you to keep that and place it somewhere where you're going to see it. Place it somewhere that's prominent. Do not allow this moment to slip because I believe that God wants to issue freedom in this room today for our people. A freedom to grieve. Amen? A freedom to struggle. A freedom to ask God why, but remember who he is. He does not diminish. His light does not diminish. No matter how big the darkness gets, God is who he says that he is. And he is that in your life. Church, you will see him. Because that's who he is. So I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to re- just ask uh, Sarah to come and, and release this this morning. But as I pray, if you're ready, you can just write that thing down. If not, pray over that piece of paper. And if you're ready today, we're just, we'll have music playing as we exit and come up and lay that down between you and Jesus. If not, I challenge you to do that this week. Let's pray. God, I ask right now that you would just, by your spirit, continue to change the atmosphere in this room, God. I can sense what you're doing, Lord Jesus, in this place. And Lord, we just welcome the opportunity to meet with you in this place. Holy Spirit, we welcome the opportunity for you to speak deep and meaningful things in our lives. God, grief is normal. It's a regular part of our lives. And we as Christians are not immune. But because of your son, God, because of the blood that was poured out on the cross, today, Lord Jesus, we can be reminded by your spirit that you want to walk with us, that you want to hold those burdens, that you want to carry that load, that you want to speak into every situation. And so, Lord God, I ask that you would speak today. For those in this room that don't know you by name, God, Holy Spirit, would you challenge each one this morning to surrender their lives to you? Lord, you are the one who perfects. Lord, you are the one who makes new. And so for each person in the sound of my voice, Lord Jesus, I release your spirit over this room, that you would call them deeper into love, for those that don't know you, God, call them for the first time to surrender their lives to you, to give the reins over to you, God, to allow you to lift that, that burden of sin, to allow you to lift that burden of, of, of shame off of them, Lord Jesus, and be replaced by the love of Jesus. For those of you, for us that have known you for a long time but been walking with you, God, may, be, we, may we be released this morning to experience your love, even when it's dark. And we ask that today in your holy name. Amen.